City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. City, it's your man Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets, and you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. Welcome to the next episode of the Hornets Draft Show. Uh, joining us this week, very special guest with me and Chase is... Uh, co-host, are you co-host or are you guest? I'm not sure of the Ooh, Game I, I, Theory I'm, podcast with Sam Vecini, Matthew Penny. Yeah, it, it's more like a residency in Vegas. So it's like, do you work here? <laughs> not really, but you're, you're playing shows every night. But yeah, that's where you can find me. Game Theory with Sam Vecini. Absolutely. And uh, Matt is coming on this week to talk to us about a wide range of issues with, with the Hornets. Young players, with the draft. Um, we're going to get some some thoughts on a couple of things here. I know Chase has got some fiery hot prospects he wants to job on that as well. Um, so yeah, we're, we're really kind of looking forward to, to having you on the pod today. Um, Chase, do you want to you want to get us started here? Yeah, I mean, thank you again for coming on, Matt. I'm looking forward to. I'm a very avid listener of the game theory, so I've been excited about this interview for a long time. Thank you. Hope I didn't bore you too much. Just like, <laughs> hey, these guys are off track again. What's the topic? Why are they talking again about the departed on here? But yeah, no, but it's, act- you, it's actually like my favorite podcast because when you when you guys talk about movies and shows at the end, it's like I can convince my girlfriend to let me play it in the car <laughs> and be like, hold on, just just wait an hour and 45 yeah. minutes. They're going to Sam's going to mention shows. some movie you've never heard of, but like maybe it's an right. art house film you want to look into. Yeah, yeah. I, I always I, I like to say that. I always feel like I have a homework assignment every week. So aside from watching uh, film and games and we're still in the NBA playoffs, like I, if I don't watch something new on TV, I feel like I'm going to be jumped at the end of each podcast. So that's like why I still – and when the draft ends and summer league ends, you kind of have this big gap from whatever, say July to September, October. But now it's like I'm sneaking in an episode of like Under the Banner of Heaven and Candy or whatever. Just so when Sam says, any new movies, I can say, actually, yeah, a couple. Yeah, you got you got you got to come prepared. That is that, that is definitely for sure. So uh, I just want to. I always like to ask this question to people that we talk to that are you know just anywhere in the sports industry. Really, is how you got to where you are in your career. Like, because nobody takes the same path. It, it's no. so much it's so difficult, and it's such an evolving industry. Nobody goes up comes up the same way to even if they're at the same point in their career at where they end up. So 
you know, how, what was your journey to being like a draft podcaster in the the jobs that you have held? Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy to hear that draft podcaster because uh, I didn't really draw this up per se. I mean, yeah. I went to UMass for a sport management program, and I, I turned down some Division two and three offers to play basketball because I I knew I wanted to work in sports. I wanted a good degree or whatever. So uh, I was able to do both, and I, I was a manager. I walked on at UMass. I played there, and also I was in the sport management program. And like you said, like the path that people take. The good thing was our intro to sport class, which was like the second day of school, our professor, our professor said, if you're not ready to pick up and move and sell tickets and then go to Albuquerque, New Mexico and Portland, Maine and Tallahassee, Florida, like get out of sports. I said, well, I'm not going to do that, but let me see uh, where this kind of takes me. So I graduated from UMass and I, I went and coached, uh, I was assistant coach at a prep school team for three years. At the same time, I was working as a consultant for Reebok Grassroots Basketball. And at that time, I, I started watching a lot of guys. I saw some national names at their All-American camps, saw the top players in New England at the time, where this is when the NEPSAC was loaded with Andre Drummond and Will Barton and Mo Harkless. So I, I was able to kind of see like, all right, Kem Birch works here, but not there. And I started my own scouting service because college coaches were calling me, asking for intel, asking me for this and that. I said, well, how can I monetize this where – I'm getting money from your school and not necessarily directly from the person. So that went on uh, from about 2012 to 14 or so. I'm sorry, 2009 to 2014. Then I transitioned over to Under Armour in more of a event management role, but still doing my scouting stuff on the side. And in 2020, like everybody else, the world's kind of stopped and didn't know what I was doing. I was home with my son. He was young, one or two at the time. And I have a mutual friend who is close with Sam through Adidas Nations. They met at that event, which is kind of like their sort of world All-American All-Star Games that they have end of the summer. Said, hey, I really want you to get on the phone with Sam Vecini. I'm like, well, for what? Like, I don't, I don't know this guy. Like, I don't really talk to drafts. As much as I grew up a, a draft fan, as I'm sure you guys did too, I, I never put into context or put pen to paper on, this is actually my board. And so we get in a conference call, the three of us, just shooting the breeze, talking for about an hour. And at the end of it, Sam's like, all right, cool, man. Um, do you want to record a podcast next week? I'm like, yeah, great. Like, sounds good. Let's, let's, let's do a podcast. Whatever. So I hang up, we hang up. I call my friend. I'm like, dude, what, like, what are we doing? Like, what did you get me into here? Like, I don't have a podcast. <laughs> yeah, like, what was this a setup? Yeah. I, I still have like the plug-in thing for my phone, for my headphones. Like, how, how am I going to record this? He's like, dude, just go on there. He wants to know about some of the Under Armour kids. And at the time for draft eligible guys, we had Anthony Edwards, we had Nico Mannion, Pressure Chua, Josh Green. There, there was a bunch of guys. And then the next class was Jalen Suggs and Jaden Springer. So he's kind of picked my brain on that. It's like, let's do a podcast. Fine. So I do one. I'm like wicked nervous. Like, what's he going to do? He's going to jump me. He's going to be these fastballs. I still kind of work at Under Armour. How am I going to defend these guys? Uh, and he was good. He, it was, he played nice in the sandbox. There's a few questions where I had to like duck. And he's like, well, what's he like off the court? He's a good kid. What else? Um, what's the, the next one? Because, you know, these guys and teams kind of like let you into their lives. So you don't want to disrespect them or take take away the trust that they've given you. And uh, I thought that was it. I thought, great, I did a podcast. That's that's awesome. And uh, about a week later, he's like, hey, you want to do another one? I'm like, yeah, sure. And then it just sort of stacked up the last three years. And by about podcast number three, he's like, hey, your headphones stink. Um, do you have like a hundred bucks? You can go get like a, a microphone or something. So I've also slowly accumulated more stuff. Along the way, the last purchase Sam actually did for me was he bought this little like light on top of my keyboard. He's like, can't see your face. I'm like, do we need to see my face here? I mean, there's just people tuning in for some mediocre draft stuff. 
Uh, and that's why I am here. Now we've done three draft cycles with Sam. I uh, do kind of guest stuff here and there like you guys. And yeah, I've been uh, very fortunate, very thankful. I haven't had to move. I've lived in Boston still my whole life, still in New England. I, I haven't had to pick up and pack up and go to Chicago or the middle of nowhere to work in sports and everything's kind of aligned nicely. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, and I, I just got one quick follow-up. Yeah. I imagine that a lot of the connections that you made, like as a, both when you were playing and work, doing your own scouting service and being a consultant were you know, that, that helped you a lot in terms of getting inside information. Was it really difficult to balance like what to say and what not to say on the podcast at first? Cause I mean, you, you have to say something cause you know, that's why you're there, but you don't want to go too far. Was that something that was really difficult to balance? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I still struggle to it to this day because you talk to, to people and sources as real relationships and not accumulation of data to then tell everybody else. And these are like tens of multi-million dollar decisions and, I say the wrong thing about player X and then someone listens, the agent gets mad, the player stuff. So I've always kind of had to be a little bit guarded. And if you see me playing it down the middle, that's like why I never really want to like crush a guy or you can be really high in a player, but I, I try to stay balanced and neutral. And I, I let Sam come in and be like, well, no, he stinks and he can't do that. I'm like, great. He does, but you said it, not me. And so it's, it's picking your spots, picking and choosing, which isn't always the easiest, but part of kind of doing this too. Um, is similar to me and Chase, you and Sam, I don't think had ever met until, was it the, the NCAA four. tournament yeah. this year? Yeah, the final yeah. four this year. And you guys, like your chemistry, as someone who listens to a lot of podcasts, a lot of MBA Jeff podcasts, you guys have such great chemistry from literally across the world, which um, I'm not saying me and Chase do, but it's a challenge <laughs> that we have, right? Me and Chase. No, it is. It is. Um, and, and, and it was Sam too. I, I told him when I met him and, and I started the podcast too, like, I've uh, I've been married since 2015. I've been with my wife since 2008, since I left UMass. And when that happened, there was no swiping. There was no Tinder. There was no, there was no like relationships just through screens, right? So it was all like a new frontier for me. So when I actually saw him in person, it was one of those like ET things. Like, are you a real person? Like, is this, <laughs> it's, you're, you're not like your a- hand passes yeah, through like a you're hologram. not like an <laughs> Australian hologram here that has just come here. But after just having so many- uh, podcast and text and calls together just sort of flows freely and a lot of times just sort of here I feel like I plug in and we're just talking hoops and then it ends and people say well what how do you meet Sam like well it was a phone call all right when's the last time you saw him uh, never so <laughs> there was a lot of people at the final four who were like you, know, you guys are this, like this is like the first time this is it I'm like this is it man like we've never never met in person and now <laughs> when will I meet him again I, I don't know when I'll see him again in person because he, he is in Australia uh, but yeah, virtually I'll see him uh, about this time tomorrow. Cool. Great. Well, before then, we uh, we obviously want to, the main reason we have you on here is to get your thoughts on the, both this year's draft, but also I thought a good place to start is to try and look at this year's draft cycle in the eyes a little bit of kind of a few of the Hornets' current young players. Um, and kind of three we wanted to touch on in particular, James Bucknight, Kai Jones, JT Thor. And the first question we were going to throw towards you really is if those guys were in this year's draft, where do you think they would sort of go in terms of range? What can, what can fans expect um, for the kind of the caliber of player, similar caliber of player where they're currently picking? What, what are your thoughts on that? It's a great one. So I'm going to take this from two ways where if these guys were still coming out in this draft class versus sort of like what we know now, because it's a very mm -hmm. different number. So for James Booknight, he went 11th in 2021. I would say probably the same range. 
Uh, he'd be battling sort of like Ben Matherin from Arizona, Dyson Daniels from G League Ignite for that off-guard position from like 8 to 15, depending on maybe if a team like like Wesley from Notre Dame a little bit more, but not wildly different. Uh, I'm willing to bet GMs would still see the tools, see the flashes. He's a little bit younger. Whether we agree with ageism or not in the draft, he likely would still go ahead of Ochai Agbashi, although I prefer Agbashi. If we know what we know now on the season and some of the other off the court issues incidents he's probably battling to be a first round pick to be frank because i would roll the dice on a different younger guy two guard like a turquavion smith or a bryce mcgowan's both guys i have kind of 25 to 30 and seeing like what they look like for the first year and i'm not like writing off james book night either but if you see what happens on the bench you see like i know he didn't get a ton of burn he didn't get a ton of opportunity either but is there like a reason behind that? I don't know if I'd like reinvest as much as sort of like this mystery man of Traquavion Smith who played well at the combine uh, that was six for 17, but had like 17 points over I would for, for James this, this coming year, I'd guess. Yeah. And that's why you always say that draft picks are like a new car for parking lot. Like as soon as you draft a player, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. like unless they are playing bucks. Yeah, good straight away, like all of a sudden the value of, you know, you couldn't trade, James Butknight and Kai Jones for two like late lottery picks for this year's draft. I, I didn't think so. Right, exactly. Yeah. They've now been a year in the NBA and they've not done anything, which I think, especially with Kai Jones, that's probably expected. Like, I don't think anyone expecting him to come in first year and kind of be starting games, really be an NBA rotation. But, but yeah, well, cap, James Butknight, end of the first round, that is, that is some fall. Um, Chase, what are your thoughts on that? I, I actually kind of agree with that. I, I'm looking at like the end of my first round big board right now and like i I mean bryce mcgowan's is like he probably would be around that type of yeah, range, like right. late first early second like skinny taller guard like shooter score guard like they're just a lot more like especially knowing what we know now like that's complete, the difference complete right. players i guess that you could find in the like late lottery or teens and early 20s and, and book night it was kind of always well he doesn't shoot but he can shoot he hasn't shown yes. that i know it's sample i i know he hasn't had like all the chances to do that at the same time, some of these guys have showed that they can. So you have that like additional skill that that gets them there. But you, you also mentioned it too. Like if you tried to trade him straight up right now, you're not getting a lottery pick back. There's no way. So it's like maybe you try to, well, ironically, Charlotte has two picks at 13 and 15. So you're not trading with yourself. But you could take somebody maybe in that range from like 15 to 20 and poke around. But I don't think you're getting above that. And, and the waves from the James Knight selection were pretty phenomenal because I think going into draft night, the Hornets were just set to take Kai Jones. That's what they were going to do. That's what everyone knew they were going to do. Um, no, I don't know. That's revisionist history. There was It was rumored reported. Not everyone knew. Um, but then Knight falls, so they feel they have to take him. But then they also want Kai Jones, so they end up yeah. trading a future <laughs> first-round pick to get right. Kai Jones, which means now they can't trade or it makes trading future first really difficult because they've got this out outstanding pick with, with protections on it and they also have like Terrazier and Cody Martin also on the mm-hmm. roster and it's like all of a sudden you've got three wings you all want to give minutes and you've got Kai Jones like it's, it's quite like looking back on it now quite a pivotal moment it seems and um yeah seeing if Buck Knight can emerge this season a new coach will be interesting um Kai Jones what are you what are your thoughts again kind of maybe looking at it the same way and through that same lens again yeah, I was a big Kai Jones believer. Not that I'm I'm not now, but I saw him on the grassroots circuit with Team Breakdown, with Under Armour, some of the prep level at Brewster Academy, which is close to me too. I saw the improvement at Texas. Uh, so when he went, what, 19th in 2021, 
I would say probably the same area. I prefer him more as a prospect over Tari Eason, who's being slotted sort of in that range. Uh, seemed to make some strides in the G League as the season went on, looked better toward the end of the year. The jumper looked better. The thing with Kai is he definitely thinks he's like a three, and I see him more as like a four, like a four-three, not a three-four. So if he can find sort of like the middle ground between those two, he'd be fine and, and a better player. I, I like the kind of the way the developmental curve that they took him. And just to close the loop on book night a little bit too, if you remember, he shot up like a cannon up draft boards like late, like the last month or so, because the jumper looked better, the workout videos came up, and God bless Sam Presti and the Oklahoma City Thunder because they had everybody fooled. That's who they were taking. It was a great smoke screen. You couldn't hear yeah. boo. And they said the Oklahoma City Thunder select Josh Giddy. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Did we all just fall for this? You go to any mock draft, everything was James Booknight like Thunder, like it's done. And then I he, may he, have had a sizable amount of money on the under for James Booknight's <laughs> draft position, which I think I got at like under 9.5. Oh, and yeah. At the so time, you had a little bit of insurance there too. Yeah. Two weeks later, it. I was like, "This is great. He's going to OKC at six. Like, this is a this is an automatic win." And then all of a sudden, he dropped, and I was like, "What?" And that's um, that's why I love the draft so much. We think we got it. <laughs> we think we have the top four. And then you go back. It's like, no, we aren't right. They weren't the top four guys. Uh, but I like Kai Jones. I, I do. And the credit to Charlotte, really. I think they they nailed both those ranges at the time of what those guys were. Yeah, I think, I think with Kai, it's really interesting. You watched him in summer league last year and he was you're dribbling through his legs from the perimeter, trying to like drive it in. And you, like, it just didn't go well. Um, and everyone was asking the coaching staff and Kai Jones, what position are you? What position are you? And everyone just kind of said like, I don't have a position right now. We're just figuring it out. And, but judging from what they did, they know exactly what they want him to do. They want him to be a five. Like, yeah. and that is it. Yeah. That's what they played him in Greensboro. Played him as a five the whole time. He took out all that perimeter dribbling he was a essentially a, a lob dive rim man and you know took the odd three as he gained some more confidence later in the year and just kept the game really simple and um like you say he made some major strides there um but yeah i definitely think it's been a bit of a journey for him to try to discover exactly what his role is going to be in the nba and that's the beauty also of the nba is that uh, we deal with it a lot on the lower levels in high school and grassroots that you have bigger guys for 6 10 6 11 and I mean, it's respectfully that like Kevin Durant messed up everything for everybody because <laughs> he, he's one of a kind. But you see somebody who's six eleven, seven feet going between his legs, hitting fadeaways. He's a top three pure scorer of all time, right? Hard stop. But then you have guys and not even just Kai, but like guys like that in that frame, that mold. They say, well, that's me. Like I'm, I'm Kevin Durant. Like, no, no, you're not. Like you're not. You're not Kevin Durant. There was a, a college player. I'm not going to name the name. That's uh, that left that into the transfer portal that told his coach at the end of the year he was playing the five. The coach said, All right, what do you see your roles next year? He said, I got to get mine. I got to do my game. He said, All right, what's your game? He said, Kevin Durant. He said, You're not going to play here. Like, you're not, you're not, you're not Kevin Durant. <laughs> so for Kai, he kind of like was that rim runner guy, became like thought he was a shooter wing. They thought at the end of Texas, he embraced more of like the five role. Pre-draft, thought he was a shooter again, the clutch stuff, and now he's back to where it is. So it ebbs and flows, ups and downs. But he's he's a very, very talented kid, too. And seeing that he, at least on surface levels, embraced more of that, it's it's better for the future. Yeah, we, we had Kai come on our podcast, actually, in the preseason, and, and he was great. Um, and, like, it was really interesting at the time. I think we even asked him, like, do you think you might be playing down in the G League this year? And he was like, oh, the team haven't mentioned that to me at all. Like, uh, I didn't think so. <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> going to yeah, pack your bags. Make sure you yeah. have a road bag ready to go. 
two weeks later, he was like there for the whole season, pretty much. So, yeah. uh, but no, I, I mean, from what I saw from Kai towards the end of the, the Swarm tape this year, like, I do think he could be in the mix for the rotation, uh, depending sure. what else happens with that position this year. Because, I mean, it's not like they've got a lot of great other options. Um, and, and he really did make some positive strides. Yeah, not yet, but that's why you have a couple of draft picks. You still have free agency and, and they'll fill some roles and some needs yeah. there too. And then lastly, maybe a little bit quicker with this one, just JT Thor. Um, yeah. So I think previously the Hornets got him in a draft night trade. He was selected, was it early 30s, mid 30s, something like that? 37, yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, where do you think JT would be in this year's draft? Obviously kind of a bit of a different range to both Kai and Buck, who are more lottery guys going to draft night. Yeah, so like sort of, I said before of what we knew then versus what we know now, he's still the same. I like 37th is fair. Uh, I tell the story often about the second round and how it's such a crap shoot because it's not guaranteed money. Some teams will call agents and say, Hey, we'll, we'll draft player X, but he's got to sign a two year minimum deal or whatever. And sort of like the first guy to jump at that in some senses with like four or five players for JT, just the, the build, the frame, how he came on late in that Auburn season it was a lot of like the the good highlights during times that don't matter. It's not like it was a contested SEC game and he's doing his stuff. They're up 20 or or down 15, but you saw what he could be. And and that's like at 37, I'm all right with that, even despite of, of what you might not be the most uh, excited about what happened this last season. It's still somebody that I bet on the second round. Okay. Well, no, good place to start to kind of looking back at those at those last year rookies. Um, we're going to move on now. We're going to we're going to talk about a couple of guys and potentially their their fit with Charlotte um, in the kind of late lottery range. Uh, Chase, do you want to get started? Sure. So the the next two guys we're going to talk about are I think are both probably pretty commonly mocked to the Hornets or at least linked through you know draft sources and intel. Uh, the first one, O'Shea Abaji. He definitely fits the mold of you know productive college player out of Blue Blood program. Uh, certain Hornets could definitely use another player that can shoot and defend on the wing. Uh, we, we all well-versed in their defensive problems last year, so you can never have enough of the O'Shea Baji type players. But what do you think uh, on his fit with Charlotte at I, either 13 or 15? Because I, I presume that he'll be available for one, if not both of those picks. Yeah, it should be. I, I don't say uh, he's – I'd be surprised if he's not, but he, he should be sort of in that area anywhere from 10 to, I'd say, 20. I love Oshai. I love his story as he was a under-recruited kid nationally. He goes to Kansas. He plans to redshirt. They pull him in the mix late freshman year, like, hey, we need you, and has a turn back. And with him testing the waters last year, he took that feedback or constructive criticism about being more assertive as a player and as a leader, and he did exactly that. He shot 40% from three. He's always seemed involved in plays. He shed that label as being a talented guy that drifts. And in the process, became a national champion and the most outstanding player in the national championship game, which we can debate. They probably pulled the trigger on that one a little bit early. I don't know if he necessarily deserved it, but he got it. He does have his drawbacks and being older and, and a senior. So by default, draft Knicks are going to bump you down five spots, whether it's warranted or not. We were dealing with the same thing with Keegan Murray at the top of the draft. But it's it's because it's hard to find guys that are seniors that are successful long-term in the NBA when they're drafting the lottery. And maybe Chris Duarte of Oregon and Indiana has shed that a little bit. He was second-team all-rookie. He looked like he belonged and, and not like a guy who peaked and he's going to be out of the league in three years. Uh, I would take him if he's there. I, I like him being a senior and sort of a rookie veteran at the same time. 
he's poised, he's mature, and he's a little bit of a different look than, than James Bookman is too for you. I think O'Shea Baji is really interesting too because you brought up Duarte, but and a few picks later was Corey Kispert, who, you know, they're both probably two of the older guys in that class and yeah. had very, you know, a po- pretty much polar opposite rookie seasons. Duarte was really good pretty much right off the bat. Corey Kispert, billed as a shooter, struggled to shoot for pretty much the whole year. So you, it, it really is like a two sides of the coin thing uh, that you can get with the the older players at the it, end of the And it's weird, too, because it's sort of like a write-off. And Corey Kispert, like, wasn't great the first half. But if you look at his numbers, like, the second half to, like, the end of the season, like, he was finding his strides, hitting his strides, making shots. He was knocking down open looks. He probably got a little bit more accustomed to the speed of NBA basketball. And Gonzaga gets the knock of, well, the conference isn't great, so those guys aren't great pros right away. He's 22. He's not 32. So I think maybe just, like, he still had to develop more so as, as well. I really like Corey Kispert in the draft last year. Probably was a, a little too high on him, but that wouldn't stop me from taking Oshai at 13 or 15. And I, I think right now I have Oshai at like 15. And with, with Oshai particularly, with his fit on the Hornets, um, like could you see him in the NBA playing, let's say, the three next to Lamelo and Rozier? Do you think he's strictly a two? Uh, kind of what you know about the Hornets roster and obviously the defense struggles. Where do you think his his position is best defensively, or does it not really matter for a guy like Obachi? matters a little bit. I'd be more comfortable if it was kind of like buying some time off of Rogier or off of Lamella, whether it's only like 15 minutes a game, and then if you want to stretch him for another seven or eight is a three just because of his length. But he's he's 6'5", he's not 6'8". If he was that, then I'd, I'd feel a little bit better about him playing extended minutes at, at the wing position. But he works. I mean, he's going to play hard. And what I also like about the fit, too, is he just runs, man. He just runs the lane wide, catch and shoot, look opposite. He's not going to be a guy that pouts when he doesn't get touches. Uh, with Lamelo's vision, too, if he takes off, he's going to find him up the court, and then he hit the next guy ahead. So it does fit with the pieces that Charlotte has and, and makes him better. And I know there's a lot of money coming off the books in a season, so it gives you depth in the in the backcourt and a little bit of three spot, too. And, and I know you're a big fan of Johnny Davis, yes. but, like, defensively, who would you rate higher out of that kind of Obagi Davis side? Because I think that's what a lot of Hornets fans are going to be wanting with this pick and some guys who can bring some kind of actual potential to be a plus defender down the road. Because if you look on the current roster, there's like Cody Martin, JT Thor, maybe Jalen McDaniels, then everyone else you're a bit like, hmm. So like, what are, your, what are your thoughts there between like Davis and Obagi defensively? Yeah, I love Johnny Davis. I'm not going to hide that. I, I still have him as like a top six or seven guy. Uh, I love his defense, too. I love him off the ball when he has, like, somebody pressuring the ball and he can kind of roam as that one pass away, free safety type of guy. Uh, He has, like, a real edge where he takes pride in his defense. He's competitive. He doesn't want to lose. Not that Oshai doesn't have that. We saw all the stories last draft process about how he's working out. His trainer's really pushing him. He wanted to quit. He came back. Then he has that mentality. I think Johnny Davis has that and and then some. So I, I would definitely take Johnny Davis. He's there. Guessing he'll be gone, but it'll be uh yeah, that'd be a, a selection that Charlotte has to wrestle with if he's there on the board too. Do you think um Abaji would compare to someone like Cody Martin? Not that they're like the exact type of player or anything, but I feel like the role that they would be playing on the Hornets team specifically would be very similar. And Cody's a free agent this year, a restricted free agent. So do you think that that would be like a good route if you're trying to just kind of kick the can down the road in terms of having to extend a player like that off their rookie deal? You think that would be worth a look? Yeah, a little bit. I don't think Cody's owed like a, a ton of money either, right? I think it's pretty yeah. cap from the thing. I don't think yeah, maybe like, like eight, nine million dollars, uh, I would imagine, or something like that. 
Yeah, so I, I would uh, – so I'm, I'm pulling up here and seeing. It is – well, I think his last deal was only a couple million. But anyway, yeah. uh, you can kick the can to the road. But when you're when you're the horn, as I say it's a lot in the draft, I don't really worry about positional overlap unless it's like an absolute superstar. Like if we're talking about bringing another point guard right now, I'd say let's not do that. You have LaMelo Ball, like don't worry about it. Uh, in the backcourt, Terry Rozier, like I wouldn't be afraid of bringing in like another combo or, or two, three. Obviously, let LaMelo run and do his thing. But I don't think it has to be one or the other, like pick a box. You can take both of them with Oshai and Martin and, and be okay with it too. I think if, if Hornets draft the wing over James Booknight, I'm not saying it's the wrong thing to do, but fans will be freaking out because you just had a whole year where Booknight didn't get run. They fired the coach and now everyone's like ready for Booknight to all of a sudden get, you know, sixth man of the year minutes. And if they then draft like Davis, Matherin, Agbaji, there'll be riots. I think the riots will be wrong because there's no way the Hornets <laughs> should be drafting for need right now. Like you have no, to take the and, best player. And, and it's not like, and I, I, I talked about this the other day too. It's like I got the James Wiseman thing wrong because like Golden State needs a center. Well, here's a center, take a center, you're done, right? I don't like with the, with the Hornets, I don't think like, uh, yes, we have a lot of money tied up in, in a lot of guys, right? But I wouldn't say, like, don't take somebody because, like, oh, it's just like James Booknight's turn. Like, you can have a whole new coach and coaching staff come in there and just, like, flip it upside down. I'm not saying he's getting traded or anything by that, but they could have a completely different philosophy, style of play, which, which may benefit him. It may not. But I wouldn't just because – I don't want to say it's a miss, but you, you draft a guy in the top 10, 11, 12, whatever – I'm not not taking a guy in the same position the next year if he hasn't done what we thought he would or developed up to what he could be. And maybe we're all wrong. Maybe he has, and, and they go big here. They go a four at 13, and you take a five at 15. Who knows? Okay. Mo- moving on to the next guy we want to talk about in the lottery, uh, Jeremy Sohan, who yeah. I'm claiming is my British I was going to say, yeah. He, he's, yeah. Got, he's got bloodlines all over the place, but I was wondering if you're going to claim him being the, uh, oh, the British yeah. connection We're- there. If you well, I was about to say. I, so I um I listened to Jeremy Sohan on a British basketball podcast probably about three years ago, and I was like, you know, like if you hear him talk, he sounds British, so he's British to me. And then I saw him interviewed. <laughs> well, you have a nice combine. spot b- behind your head for his jersey when it's drafted. <laughs> I, I then heard him interviewed at the draft combine. I was like, oh no, he's got American. Like he's proper picked hey, up. Man, some, he, like, he, was, he was in twang. Texas for a year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he went to high school in Indiana, went back to Germany to play, and now he's in Texas. So it's yeah. just kind of a chameleon type accent more than but anything. yeah so I, I am claiming jeremy sohan even yeah. though he plays for poland even though he went to high school um he's you know he did get brought up through the english talent system so really interesting guy and when we talk about defensive need jeremy sohan projects to be a kind of defensive versatile forward um what are your thoughts on sohan he's probably a guy who i think stock kind of rose like kendall brown was really the guy at baylor earlier yeah. in the year and then kind of like maybe kind of conference tournament times or suddenly Jeremy Sohan's stock just kind of took off. And I know he's a really young prospect in the draft, but yeah, what are your thoughts on Sohan and, and where do you have him ranked? They're a little bit chips of the night in like January, February, where mm. I think I tweeted out too. It's like, okay, I'm ready to talk about this. Like Jeremy Sohan's the best prospect on Baylor. Uh, and no one really like hesitated because I thought with Kendall Brown, that second or third game of the year, he had like nine assists. And I thought, Oh, okay. This is like this passing athletic wing. And then he had, more than two assists like a couple times the rest of the year but for the positives for for jeremy i, I really really like him at six foot nine the versatility he has and you turn on the nba playoffs now and and everyone's going small and we talk about he can guard one through five scotty barnes guard one through five not really but if it's two three four and a little bit of the five a little bit of one like you take that as a win 
And with his high motor, he plays really hard. Another guy that's competitive. And he showed a little bit of like the point guard facilitating when James Kinjo was out. He can create his own shot from the perimeter, went out on an island, he pulls out those bigs there, uh, works hard on the glass. He's everything you want in a modern forward as long as the shooting comes around. And I, and I don't know if it will. And we look at the free throw numbers, which are generally a, a pretty good indicator, and they're not good. Also, they're in the 50s. But it's interesting for Charlotte because they have a hole in the middle and also probably like just defensively wherever. But is he big enough to be that sort of center replacement with – or front court defensive replacement, rephrase. Under a block per game and not what you think of as sort of like this traditional rim protector. And I don't know how he, he pairs really well with, with Kai Jones. I would take him and, and hope for a center later in free agency and, and piece it that way. I have him in my top 10. I don't know if he gets to 13. He's one of these late rosters that's really gone up on everybody's board. But if he's there, I'd be running to the podium to take him. Yeah, I think, I mean, PJ Washington is kind of almost like plays the role that I think you could see Sohan playing in the NBA is like a four slash five. Um, I think PJ is obviously a, a better shooter than, than Sohan, but Sohan probably bigger, stronger defensively, probably a better playmaker as well. I think that's one of you know things that really stands out with Sohan is you, you can put him in dribble handoff action and he can really kind of carve teams up and bring the ball up in transition and be comfortable with the ball. So yeah, really interesting fit. And like I say, just his defensive potential like would you say pound for pound would you say best defensive player in the draft is there anyone else you want to throw in that mix there i would i mean pound for pound chet holmgren weighs about half of them so i'd have to say chet <laughs> and, and then so on but he's in the conversation it, it, yeah. it's him uh when kendall brown's like actually locked in you could say kendall brown though he, he drifts at times walker kessler for a while i i tell you that that he's the guy and walker kessler might be a better college defender than nba defender so i would take sohan because of that switchability and you saw especially not like north carolina game where he really was all over the court like he was stopping rj davis and he's switching on brady manic before he got hurt then he's back in the post with armando baycott he can really play all these different spots and not hurt you out there either and i don't think he's gonna defend your point guard all game long but when there's ball screen, you're okay with him switching. And it's not like total collapse and total panic. Like, that's a victory. So if the Hornets do take – so, which I, I am starting to think that he won't be available either. I, I have him in the top ten, too. And it, uh, I don't know, remember who tweeted it out. I was yesterday or maybe earlier in the week was that he is pretty much like a lock to go in the top ten to twelve now. And that he yeah, – if he right. escapes the top ten, he's not going to fall very far, which 13 is – maybe in the definition of not very far, but 15 is definitely would definitely be pushing yeah. it. But uh, they would like almost have a bunch of like versatile front court defenders that like aren't rim protectors almost. Yeah. And they would still be missing that one rim protector, but you can still be a good defense with all of these like rain. We've seen like Toronto, they don't have any like sort of imposing big center, but they have a ton of rangy yeah, forward but, wing yeah. guys. <laughs> they have a six foot point guard. Yeah, that, yeah, that's right, the difference. Yeah. Like they were all lined up with Delano Banton playing point guards. Like, isn't he six foot nine? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. Do you think that that would be like not necessarily like a good or a bad idea, but something that worth looking into, just kind of like leaning into that identity of like a fast, like chaotic team that kind of isn't necessarily conventionally good defensively, but they can really bother you with length and athleticism. Totally. I mean, a half hour ago, we were talking about how there's no defense. Now you have too much defense. What are we going to do? <laughs> right. I, I'm, I'm all for chaos. That There's times when 
you're in crunch time in the NBA right now, and there's nobody on the court who's over six foot nine. So I wouldn't sweat over too much. Guys with the illegal defense and rules for that, you can't really clog the lane as much for like having a rim protector stay there anyway. They got to rotate across the block. So I would be okay with it. I'd still take another guy or sign another guy for depth. But if that's the lineup that we roll out there, like I'd feel more than comfortable with that too. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to move on here because I just realized that Jeremy Sohan, I've got ranked 11th, and I am apparently lowest than Sohan <laughs> on the podcast, which was not something I was expecting oh. from my British brethren. So sorry, sorry Jeremy Sohan. Um, I think we're going to move on to a couple of guys now who who may or may not be around at 45 or kind of, I guess guys who probably have pretty wide draft ranges, actually, a couple of guys we're going to touch on now. Um, so Chase, you want to kick us off with the first one? So I'm old enough to remember when you dropped this guy at the uh, the end of the very first mock draft, I think, that you and Sam <laughs> did on the game theory this year. Yeah, no, it's um, Josh Minot. So yeah. I, I know you've been high on him for a while. Uh, he, I, I, I love him like James. I really don't know like what his draft range is. I'm sure it's just kind of like second round and that, that's basically it. But uh, do you like what are you what are your thoughts on him as a prospect in general? And where do you, what do you think the chances are the Hornets can take him at 45? They could. I'm starting to believe more so that he'll be there. I like him as a first round talent, but they're just he didn't like crush the combine enough or show enough on tape for me to say here's guaranteed money. I would certainly take him at, at 45. It it's just it's been this strange thing because he had this freshman reputation or belief that one day he could be this like contributing NBA wing. And he came in without like a huge rep despite going to Memphis. He's even like more of a late bloomer than, than Peyton Watson is. And he had these rave reviews in Memphis Pro Day. And everyone was there to see Jalen Duran and Amani Bates and uh, Lester Canones to an extent. And every scout that I talked to or agent that was there said, yeah, mine might have been like the best one. So it piqued my interest enough to go back and watch more film. And then he has like this super uneven season in Memphis. And he couldn't really crack the rotation. And I thought the times that he did – when he had more minutes, he always produced. He always made his presence felt when he was on the court. Like when he played six minutes, you're going to see a block, a steal, and a leak up for a dunk and thought maybe that's something that could like actually work if he played 25 minutes instead of 10 or 11. But at, at six foot eight with a plus wingspan, he's a pretty creative driver and passer. I like how he slashes and cuts away from the ball, and that's why I take him in the 40s because he's not one of these ball-dominant wings. He's fine like moving, cutting, diving him for a lob he'll kick back make that like hammer throw on the move he just gives you a different look as an energy guy and that's the kind of rotational nba pieces you want i'd actually like to see him back in college uh he left the door open and he's in the transfer portal he needs time he need, I, I would despite seeing him as a rotational guy i would like him to get more reps as like the guy in college as opposed to like figuring out in the nba which is a, is a hard thing for anyone to figure out and it's just high level basketball is still new to him. Like we said, he, he didn't grow up in the system where he was heralded as his top 10 recruit and played all these like crazy teams. I love that he actually did play in the combine five on five. I thought we saw the good and the bad. He's much better in the second game. If you take him now, this is sort of like the Josh Primo model of like the domestic draft and stash in the G league. Can't expect anything for him, but you hope in two years it really paid off and he should have been like a, a top 25 pick. Do you, do you think it would be more or less beneficial for him to kind of get drafted like at 45 or something and get a two-way and play a bunch of G League minutes this year or to let go, like you said, go back to 
whether it's Memphis or somewhere else and just be like a number one or number two on that college team? Like, do you think the professional competition might sour uh, like the NBA community on him a little more? Potentially, it's really going to come down to being franchise specific and franchise dependent on what their commitment is to his developmental process. If you're just saying like, hey, we have a lot of interest from, I don't know, say 38 to 45, right? Well, that's whatever, seven, eight different teams that may think differently of their G League affiliates or, hey, we're going to keep you on the bench or you're going to have a two-way kind of go back and forth. So it's hard for me to kind of make a blanket statement, but I would more so, if he's not there, and the whispers aren't, hey, he's got a, a late first promise, like he's not going to get past 27. That's different than saying like he's not going to get past 47 because the tumbles on the second round are like rolling downhill it, it very hard, very fast. And I, I just wouldn't put myself in that situation if I were him unless I have this unbelievable firm belief that, hey, I'm getting picked at, at 45. I love what the Hornets do with their guys. And that's where I want to be. They have a three-year commitment to me and, and as a guarantee. And I don't want to pass that up. I think that's the tricky thing with that 45 spot. It's kind of like the end of the guaranteed contracts, but the beginning of the two ways almost. Mm -hmm. Um, And and looking at the roster, Charlotte have got a lot of players kind of expected to return next year. They've already, I think, if they were to draft all three, use all their three draft picks this year, I think they would have nine or 10 players on rookie scale contracts next year of their 50 man roster. (laughs) That's a lot. So I, I think the most likely thing is if they use 45, they use it for a two-way slot. Currently, sure. their two-way players are Arnoldus Koboka and Scotty Lewis, who both were like, showed enough flashes that I don't think you'd mind keeping them around for next year. But equally, like, I think you could probably get a, a premier two-way player in this year's draft, which I think, you know, Minot would probably fall into that category. I think you've already got like a developing wing like JT Thor on the roster for like your main roster spot and I, yeah i just have a feel that they're going to use that 45 for like to to, to get another two-way player essentially yeah, and charlotte was competitive this year i don't have to tell you guys but you, you go on the playing game being blown out but they still got to that with a young roster there's going to come a point whether it's this year next year you're gonna have to get older and I, I know you naturally get older but if you have all these guys in kind of rookie scale contracts and well Mel ball is a superstar and you kind of want more guys that are ready to do this right now and not in three years you're gonna to have to piece together picks and contracts expiring money to get better that way too okay we're going to move on to our second guy now uh another guy with a kind of pretty wide range in fact it'd be good to get your thoughts on what his range is peyton watson and the reason i want to talk about peyton watson is um not really been spoken about that much in the draft cycle i think people are disappointed he didn't play in the combine but kind of expected um i have peyton watson 18th of my board. It's probably like oh, my biggest, it. like, oh, that's a weird swing, swing yeah. on my board. Um, what 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 do you think is Rangers? And what are your thoughts on the limited time that we did see Peyton Watson on the floor this year? I love that you have 18th. You're not gonna win by trying to hit singles, right? We're we're down. We're down seven. It's the bottom of the eighth. Let's let's take some swings here. So that those are the type of guys you, you want to bet on. Uh, Peyton Watson. So coming in, uh, also a late bloomer and that he had a late growth spurt in high school is like junior senior year, kind of kept the guard skills at six foot eight rangy seven foot wingspan. He goes to UCLA, which I love and McCrone does an unbelievable job, but they're coming off a of final four. So I, I knew it would be a, a tight squeeze. I knew he wouldn't be getting a ton of minutes. I didn't think it would be 13 minutes a game, averaging three points and three rebounds. But then similar to mine, I had his moments, especially defensively. He has that switchability from the wing that is so coveted. He's a really good shot blocker from the perimeter. 
He hustles back to make plays in transition. Has those like off the bounce skills you see at times where he can set ball screens and, and pick and pop and then have an isolation with the big or he can do the inverted pick and roll and, and he can come off because he does have a decent handle there. I think you can kind of throw out his shooting percentage, like 23% from three. It's only 31 attempts. It doesn't look broken. The, the buzzword is toolsy. That's what he is. He's toolsy. And he, he's still a project. And the people around the UCLA program rave about him as a person, say he needs time. He needs a weight room. Uh, I'm still a fan. Uh, I'm not the biggest supporter of these agent-run NBA pro days, but you could see with him specifically – more of the actual skills on display that we didn't see at UCLA where he could get a quick hook after like six minutes. I wish he would have played five on five, could have done even more, which is ironic because all he wanted to do all year was play at UCLA. And it's like, hey, do you want to play? It's like, no, I'm good, which is strange. I I could see a a team late first falling in love, more likely like 27 to, to 47, like you kind of alluded to. Because it's just so unproven. It's, it's too big of a, a gamble for a guy with those type of numbers that needs time from everyone you talk to, as opposed to maybe like an older guy end of the first, that you know, could contribute to a veteran team right away. I just think late growth spurt guys, great for your draft buzz, isn't it? Let's be honest. It is. And if you can also pair that with kept guard skills, I mean, you're into like, you're into winner for like NBA that, draft that, yeah, that, there, right? exactly. That's like my draft bingo. Late bloomer, <laughs> nice. Chip on the shoulder, nice. Wasn't recruited, <laughs> nice. Like uh, can do more and shoot, nice. So he does check a lot of those boxes for me. And I had him and my not like higher than just the more digging I did and the more kind of stuff around the combine and watching. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm probably just a little bit too high. I, I like him a lot. If I could get either one or both in the second round, I would be happy though. Chase, any Watson thoughts? I mean, I'm not quite as high as you are, James, but I do. It's probably that's, about that's a, acceptable. Don't worry. Yeah, I, I yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah. So yeah, I have him seventh. What are you guys? About? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but I think I do have like it's probably from like a year ago now. I tweeted out Charlotte Hornets, please draft Peyton Watson yeah. after watching like a bunch of his high school stuff. Uh, and uh, in those, from what I watched, his athleticism was just like it, it, it so far exceeded like a lot of the players that he played or played with or against at that time, uh, and even at UCLA, like he definitely didn't do well per se, but like for how little he played, like for him to do well, like he would have to just come off the bench and just be scorching hot, like ridiculous. Yeah, like yeah. and you can't really do that, like playing such a small role. Like I don't, I don't think he even started more than like a couple of games. Yeah, at UCLA this year, it's just so difficult to like improve your draft stock when you're not playing a lot. So I don't, I don't blame him for not. Uh, like putting up like a gaudy statistics or anything like that. But I, I think he definitely could have helped himself by playing at the combine. But I, I, we, we talked about this on our last pod, James, is that a lot of these players like missed a ton of development time due to COVID. So as much as they can protect themselves or their stock or whatever, and it's like, I don't, I don't know what that is. They're, they're, them and their agents mm-hmm. have, a, have a much better idea of what that is. So if they thought that that would protect his draft stock and give him a better chance to get in this class, like, that's fine. But personally, I, I think it, it could have helped him. Yeah, him especially. They started the high school season in California like really late. So he might yeah. only played a handful of games probably that last year. With the with the draft range thing, I, I, again, I'm like you guys. I'm not an agent. I'm not representing anybody. I'm not an NBA guy. But if you're outside, say, the top like 20, I'd have my guy play. And unless there's some promise or something. You're a top 20 guy. You don't risk it fine. But 
NBA teams are turned off by it, man. They're turned off by it mm-hmm. when Peyton Watson doesn't play and J.D. Davidson doesn't play. Wendell Moore doesn't play. Max yeah. Christie doesn't play. And it we'll find out soon. We'll find out whatever. And last year, everyone who, not, not everyone who played, but last year, some guys made major strides, like yeah. in playing Primo, Highland. Like there was, it was really there. And everyone was saying last year, well, now everyone's going to play in the combine because look at the success it had. And it just got worse. I think it was like 50 players decided not yeah. to participate. It, like it was, it was number. like, it was like 40 plus. And I was, I was talking about this with a, uh, with a scout yesterday. The rubber has to meet the road at some point though. Like you can duck and this is not on Peyton Watson. This is just the 40 guys said no, right? You can duck for as long as you want, but eventually you're going to put your shoes on, you're going to step on an NBA court and you got to play and you can, or you can't. So it, it might cost you money if you do or don't play, but eventually the ball goes up. we got to play basketball and you can hide for as long as you want, but it's, it's not forever. And, and that's what frustrates me is you're, you're going to have to face some level of competition, whether it's practice, the G league, uh, the NBA, whether they say, hey, you're drafting stash, go to Europe for a year. That, that's why I just don't like the the step away. If you're guarding it protection-wise, you, you feel good, your draft range, you don't get injured. Other than that, play, play some basketball. If you're I'm, like I, 31, to, sorry, James, if you're like 31 to 35, I feel like the likelihood that, you, that yeah. you play yourself yeah. into a fully guaranteed like first-round contract is so much higher than like you play yourself out of a guaranteed deal and fall to like 55 or something like that because you have this whole body of work Right. They won't use this one game against you, I feel like, as much as they are to be like, okay, he got with a bunch of other guys that are, you know, similarly talented and he played really well. So I've, I've, I don't know. And you're a little beat be holding to who your point guard is on your team and what yeah. position you are and how they set the table for you, whatever. But if you show enough, NBA teams and scouts are, are going to take that into consideration that, all right, you know what? Ryan Rollins was good his first game, but what stood out to me was like, he has big block that was called for a foul down the far end. It's like, I didn't know he had that bounce because when I watched him at Toledo, he, he'd go off the dribble. It was kind of like a floater. It was a pull-up. And then defensively, load up and jump. You actually you get to see it in, in real time. And not all these guys saw mid-major teams. That's where you make a presence felt. Josh Primo didn't play much at, at Alabama. or just up and down. And then he played point guard, had on-the-ball reps. And people started saying, well, wait a minute. Can he be sort of like this point guard? Spurs believed it, became a lottery pick. Those stories are exception, not the rule. But this is the, the second process in a row where guys didn't play like Sharif Cooper, BJ Boston, Jalen Johnson. Those guys all slid. So we'll see if it happens again with this next crop. Yeah. And just quickly on Peyton Watson, I just want to give a quick shout out to the No Ceilings crew because I think they were oh, the, the first ones who I think I listened to a podcast, them talking about Peyton Watson. And I was like, this is interesting. I need to go watch the film. And then I was like, oh my God, my eyes have been opened. So shout out to those guys. <laughs> no, they're, they're the best, Nathan and his team. And, and they're awesome. They, they put in the work. I do like to bust their chops and say, well, if you guys 11 guys working for you, you have every pick covered for every player. Like, you can't be wrong. Like, <laughs> all right, you're Paulo, Chet, Ivy, you take Keegan Murray, you be outlander, say Peyton Watson. Uh, but but they, uh, they're they the best. They really are. Pump out content. Hey, that's not, no ceilings is awesome. It sounds like they've got the whole thing figured out here. They do. All their bases. they do. <laughs> but, More than we do. Yeah, right. So this, uh, this next question is of like, it's kind of a two-parter. First, yeah. I'm going to ask you, so Mitch Kupchak, the, the retirement rumors from offseason were true. He, he, yep. he retires. Matt Penny is hired as the general manager of the Charlotte Hornets. Wow. Who are, are who are you taking with 13 and 15, assuming that, you know, 
the guy you want at 15 doesn't get stolen by the Cavs at 14. What what direction are you going? Yeah. So the, the cool here? thing about having 13 to 15, and, and thank you for the new position, I'll consider you for the front office. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the cool thing about these picks is it resembles like a fantasy football snake draft where the pick happens and like almost immediately you got to be ready for the next one. And I, I think it's also like this elaborate game of chess with Cleveland, who's the pick in the middle mm. at 14, because unless there's some deep hatred between Hornets fans and Hornets and, and Cleveland, right? I'm fairly certain the Cavs aren't going to take a big at their pick unless they mm. trade away, right? It's like you have Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Kevin Love, Laurie Markinen. So if you're the Hornets, we're the Hornets, and we're deeply in love with your guy that's a center at 13, you can take him with the security of knowing that he's not going to be off the board at 15. If you want to get tricky, you can take a big at 15 and more of like a swing at 13. Uh, all this being said, I'm, I'm going to assume that Jeremy Sohan's off the board. The dream scenario for me is still with this team, with this personnel, is Mark Williams from Duke, which a few weeks ago seemed like a real possibility and now may be off the board with each passing day because the measurables of the combine, a guy didn't play, but he's projected higher, Seven foot two, seven seven wingspan, nine foot nine standing reach, and a functional two hundred forty two pounds, five point four percent body fat. Like not not normal in, in a good sense. And that rim runner, rim protector that you can pair with Lamelo Ball, sort of what I wanted Kai Jones to be a year ago, but just much bigger. And you don't have the eye popping stats at eleven point seven rebounds, three blocks. But the guy knows exactly what he is. He takes higher percentage shots. He has a nice touch around the basket. Shoots 72% from the field as a sophomore after 66% as a freshman. I love his approach. Love his mentality. The motor's always running on high. It's always about the next play. Let him go wild on Charlotte. Fast break, catching the lobs and finishing. That would be that would be my pick, I, I guess I would say, at, at 13, knowing that Cleveland. Well, I'd say, you know what? That'd be one of my picks. Put it that way. I'll, I'll hedge. We can talk about the, the next one after. Okay. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Jamie. J- Jeremy Wu. I, sorry, I, I was about to say. I think, <laughs> yes. I, I I think I think Jeremy Wu had that in his latest mock draft. I think we've seen that in a lot of different places. Mock yeah. drafts. It's been a pretty common thing. But I think I tweeted this literally a month ago. Now I said Hornets fans get ready for Mark Williams being mocked to Charlotte because yeah, like it's it's clear, but it's also clear and obvious for a reason. Like it makes a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, it's not, and, not a surprise and, and, there. With and, Duke, and Duke being down the road too. So they, they have a lot yeah. of quote unquote home they games to watch, to, to watch. And, and he's used to playing in a system where he does the little things. Like he just, he, he he's used to playing around good players and playing a role, which is that what you need to do in Charlotte. So, so yeah, I think look as, as assistant GM, I have to warn you, Matt, as, as GM of Charlotte Hornets, we don't pay well. You have to realize that. You're, That's fine. You know, you, I don't get paid You're not, for you're not a well-paid GM anyway. in Charlotte. No, no, we no, don't, yeah, no difference. We didn't pay the big bucks. Um, okay, and for your for your other pick? Yeah, I would I'd take a good piece here. I know we talked about Oshai. I think he actually does fit. Um, but if this guy's on the board, I'm going to assume John Davis is gone. Uh, I would go with Malachi Branham if we're, we think that he's still around here too. And I don't know. He's also getting this top 10 buzz right now, which I, I feel is warranted after his freshman year at Ohio State, where he, the last half of the year, averaged nearly 20 points per game, shot at a high percentage, great pull-up shooter. I think three-point shot's going to get there. But Young and, and that Villanova game in the NCAA tournament, you saw sort of like here's the whole package of what he could be. Too talented to pass on. I don't care if you have Terry Rozier there. He's the guy that, that I would take and sort of stash, but he's going to be a, a lot better player than I think a lot of people anticipate. And that's why I have him really high in the top 10 of my board right now. 
I like the Malachi Branham selection a lot. I think he's like a very I like I, I the late rising players seem to be guys that the Hornets have kind of kind of become fond of lately in the last couple of years. But uh, I, he would be a great fit next to Lamelo. Just has like an efficient like bucket getter basically 53 yeah. percent on twos 41 percent from three and 83 percent from the line like the, you're not, there's not a whole lot going wrong there when the ball leaves his hand so that that would be I, I like that one a lot and that I haven't seen that uh in like any mainstream like mock draft or anything like that so and that that would be a really interesting pick I like that one yeah we try to go underground here a little bit uh, and it just it's stockpiling on other defense isn't great if you, you say you want defense the other one that I, I think this would be really high, but it, it's also sort of like getting there is Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. I don't know if that's been sort of mocked anywhere. He's like the late bloomer. He played in the combine despite being mocked sort of like 25 to 35. It's it's really interesting to me now going back and seeing all these clips about him like making Chet Holmgren fall over in conference play. It's like this has happened all year. Like this has been the player that he was just an efficient scorer and, and big and strong, but has a tight handle, makes really good passing reads, shoots at a high clip. Uh, all the things that you want for in a guy in that range that sort of knows who he is, but can get better. is going to be able to play a role, help defensively off the ball too. I have him around 20. Like most people have him about like 25 to 30. If the Hornets want to take a swing, that's that's like a swing that's more calculated, I think, too, than, than some of these other guys coming off the board. Uh-oh. Technical difficulties. Hey, you're muted, James. Yeah, we're, we're, we're lost in England. I, we've literally left him speechless. Yeah. Over you're all good. The, I'm the, back. The Jalen Williams and Malcolm. For some, re- for some Why reason. Why do we have this guy on? Hit it. What is the next host? <laughs> he's, he's trying to Zoom wasn't telling me that. I was muted even though it was. Um, one, what, what was I going to say now? I was going to say, uh, you just talking about... Um, oh, here we just talking. Jalen Williams. Sorry. Yeah. Jalen Williams. Massive wingspan. Which, huge. Like, yep. Charlotte, if you look at their, like a lot of the, you know, JT Thor, huge wingspan, Kai Jones, not quite so much, like James Buck and I pretty good for his size. Definitely something that you kind of feel like they've tried to, to go that way for, or tried to get longer and more athletic. And he obviously fits that. And I think both me and Chase, I mean, I think I've got Jalen 15. Chase, where do you have Jalen oh, wow. Williams? Okay. I got him at 21 right now. Yeah. So, I'll, I'll yeah pump I, on it. I, I, I have mean, him at uh, 20, 18. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're all pretty yeah, low. Yeah, I, would, you, I think 15 would be fine for like that yeah. range of I completely but. agree. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Now, t- taking a little bit of a shift, um, yeah. like from, from what you know, from what you've seen the Hornets do, you've covered it for like last three draft cycles. Do you have a kind of a gut feel of, of what you think that they actually might do? Um, is there a guy there that you think, mm, that just seems like a really Hornetsy pick? Uh, particularly, or or do you not have really a great feel for uh, the Hornets necessarily and what they they value or what they'll be looking for? Yeah, and I, I don't I don't mean it's just to be disrespectful by any means and not say that they know what they're looking for, but you're you're sort of like free flowing and and with losing your head coach, like it, it may have been one road will go down the other, just naturally and, and like every mock is kind of said right now, it seems like it's going to be Mark Williams or Jalen Duran or. Sohan, if, if he's there, can play a little like four or five, seems like a front courty type guy or somebody with length. That's why Jalen Williams factored in. Uh, those would just kind of be my my initial instinct on guys off the board, sort of that range. I'm trying to think as I pull up here, you know, because of like the defense needs, maybe you'll see Tari Eason a little bit sort mm-hmm. of mentioned in, in those spots too. 
Gerald uh, Wallace Light. That's what Hornets fans are saying. <laughs> Gerald Wallace Light. Gerald Wallace is quite the athlete. I don't know if Tarisen. He's like that in transition, but the half court's kind of neutralized. He doesn't really have a left hand, which is weird. Like it's all right, even on the left side of the basket. Uh, I'm not as high on Tari's the consensus, but those kind of handful of picks seem at least one of those will end up in those two with the Hornets. Unless they package it together and like, hey, can we get some veteran that's a, a little bit older if we put 1350 in an expiring contract? That's possible too. I, I think that's probably the most like I think a trade involving one or either or both picks is definitely highly like I'd say like 75 plus percent. I'd be surprised that they keep two young guys just like Moving on from Borrego, obviously, process. Okay, we need to hit fast forward here. Like, we need to start be winning playoff series now. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that would be interesting. But until it happens, you can't just, you know, you can't just analyze the draft and think, oh, they're probably going to trade one. We don't need to worry about 15. Well, that's, um, that's, that's the best part, right? We have a month that so all we can do is talk about that stuff. And, and that's what sort of what everybody here on podcast figures out. Like, well, if we trade it, what do we do? If we kept one and not the other, if we signed a free agent. Yeah. It, it hurts your head after a while. So I, I like that there's a date on the draft where it has to stop. Do you remember like a couple of draft cycles ago, like there wasn't a date for a while. Oh, it's like, dude, yep. when is the draft going to happen? I can't, like, we have nothing else to talk about. We've talked about every single angle, every yeah. single player. They finally set a date. It's like, thank God. Like, oh yeah, the NBA season starts two weeks ago. Let, let's play. <laughs> it's like, all right. that, that was fast, but uh, sort of semi worlds got back to quasi normal after that. It was. Okay. Matthew Penny, that's that's we're hitting most of the Hornet stuff we just hit on there. That was fantastic. Thank you so much. Just to end the podcast now, I'm I'm gonna hand over the reins to Chase a little bit. And Chase has got some some wild card guys he wants to get your thoughts on. Oh and, boy. Uh, you know, how, to let how wild are pe- these cards? Is this like we're, we're, <laughs> we're playing blackjack and you throw out like a joker card? Like, ah, it's worth 12. Sorry. I, uh, one I'll, of them I'll I think you off soft. The, se- the second yeah. one is, is pretty, pretty out there. But okay. I'm, so the first I'm, one's I'm as ready as I can be. Yeah. For, to peek behind the curtain, you know, the list of topics we sent Matt before the podcast, we let him know who we're going to talk about. We did not tell him these names. So Matt mm. has no preparation whatsoever. So um, this is really putting your, your scouting hey, depth man. of knowledge Sam, to the test Sam, right now, Matt. Sam, when we record on Game Theory, we'll start and then I'll be like, hey, I just posted the mailbag. I'm like, I can't even like get a hint of an idea is sam is 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 really smart and he, and he could talk and i feel like i says like number two i need to be like a little bit analytical with stats and numbers so i'm used to being on the fly we'll see how much of the fly we're on right now though all right the the first one shouldn't be that bad but uh because he he's on sam's board so I, I mean i don't know if you guys have talked about him personally i don't think you've talked about him on the podcast or anything but uh and i have him 51st so it's not like i'm throwing him out for a guaranteed deal but Vince Williams Jr. from oh, Virginia Commonwealth. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know how high you are on him personally, but I, I really like him. I think he's like one of the best perimeter defenders in the draft. He definitely was in terms of like East Coast college players last year. Uh, he averaged at least a steal per game all, all four years at VCU. Mm-hmm. 2.7 stocks as a senior, uh, 38.7, and I think above 40% uh, as a, yeah, 41.3% as a junior from three. He's got decent size. Uh, I don't know. He just has like a lot of the, the, he's a good defender and he has some offensive tools that I think translate. He has a NBA frame for a guard wing defender. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about Vince Williams? So he's not as much of a wild card as the next no, one. So, uh, I've seen so, so, so like Vince playing the, with VCU and chucking darts. One of our, our friends of the podcast community, NBA podcast stuff. He's been very high on Vince Williams. Like you gotta watch him. You gotta watch him. 
I really like the defense. I really like what he does to, to slide and cut guys off. He rebounds, he blocks shots, whatever. It's Can the offense work at a high level? And I was hoping at the G League elite camp that he would show that and get like a combine invite. Now you're on the, the track. Didn't really do that. Sort of the player that we thought he was in a sense. I am outside the top 60, but as like a, an undrafted free agent, as a, a late two-way guy, you, you do bet on the defenders, sort of like New Orleans bet much earlier, but on Herb Jones, you hope that you get in, he plays the defense, he gets into the team concept, and the next thing you know, it, he's shooting like 38% from three, which didn't make a, a ton of sense either. So I, I like him. I, I don't didn't love him. I, I credit Chuck for adding him to my board a, a couple months ago. Uh, wanted more the combine, but at least the, the defense will translate. James, have you watched uh, Vince Williams? No. Have you familiarized yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I, see, I, I didn't even I didn't even come across him like purposefully, like being like seeing like somebody like oh you need to watch him for draft purposes. I just like watch. Uh, I, I write for Mid Major Madness too, so I watch a pretty good amount of Mid Major basketball, especially the A10. And I, I think I was watching a Davidson game to watch Hunjung Lee, uh, and I was just like. I, I was very impressed by uh, his just general the, activity. He's those a, are pretty good. Those are like too. always the best ones too. When you're, you're watching for somebody else. I, I've yeah. said this a bunch, like the Malachi Branham thing was like, I was watching Bryce McGowan's watch EJ Liddell. And I was like, this guy's ahead of schedule. He's not always going to shoot like this, but he's ahead of where he needs to be. And, and that's the also good part about scouting when you're on the road, watching grassroots or college that you always have a new name or two pop up. I think, I think part of the reason I like him too, is I have a tendency to like, uh, like very productive mid-major, high-major players that were there. Like I had Grant Riller in the first round when oh, I uh, loved he, Grant Riller. God, knee, you know what? Though, man, is the knee. I didn't, uh, yeah. uh, like uh, we're not. I, I don't want to speak for you guys. I'm not privy to like the medical stuff, and I guess the knee was worse than people thought. That's why he slid. Yeah. I loved him out of uh, Charleston, right? College of Charleston. Yeah. And took a lot of charges, made a lot of shots. I had him his first round grade too. Yeah, I, th- I think he finished at like 18 for me, but I, I, I think it was his knee and he had a yeah. shoulder surgery last year with uh, the Delaware Bluecoats too. So it's, it's just been like a stinks. A really, really, really liked injuries. this game. Yeah, yeah I thought he too. would make it. All right, James, you, weird. You, got, you got anything? Yeah, we, no, we he's can waiting. definitely. He's, he's, yeah. he's awaiting for you to. I'm, I'm right, just waiting some for the international player now. Ahead of you. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> waiting for the <laughs> Yeah, so no, this... I, I'm learning. I'm learning with the listeners as we go here because these are some of Chase's deep guys I who I struggled. Good. I struggled to get tape on over here. So, all right. So this one, this one surfaces from my my days attending the University of Maine and working for that oh, basketball God. team. So we're we're, <laughs> we're going we're going down in the in the deep in the depths of the draft prospects here. But I don't even think he actually declared for the 22 draft. So I think he would have to be a 23 prospect. But uh, have you ever? watched or taken a specific eye to Muhammadu Guy from Pittsburgh. Uh, he transferred there after two years at Stony Brook and two years at Monroe College. No, I haven't. I thought you were going to throw me a curveball and say the the Guy that transferred, that was at Washington State. Ah, but okay. I don't think that I've seen him, no. Where okay. he's at, so I think he averaged like nine points per game at Pittsburgh, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was yeah like t- but- I think it was like 10 and six, nine point something and six rebounds or something. Yeah, yeah 9.86 yeah, rebounds and two blocks. Yeah, I'd be spinning. Pittsburgh basketball was not great this year. Oh, so yeah. uh, when there was prospect games to watch, I was not watching the Pitt Panthers. Uh, I what I did at least see and read that he seems interesting, but I don't want to give like a, a fake scouting report about like uh, tangibles and puts it together. Like n- don't not enough uh, intel to to give you a fair shake there. Yeah, no, I I completely. Respect I was like, that. you said Maine. I'm like, oh, 
Davis. It's going to be somebody from New Hampshire. Jade Martinez. Okay, I did yeah. see UNH this year, so. I do, yeah, I do like Jaden Martinez. I, he can I, shoot a man. He can. I, he's good. Yeah, I, I, saw him play I, I think he's going to be good at North Texas. Um, yeah, it's a good fit. Good, good transfer fit, too. It's not like he went too high. I think he'd be really good there. Right. Yeah, exactly. But for, for Guy, I just love – like, he's 6'10". He's pretty thin, but he can shoot. So it's not like a, he's not balancing out the, the small frame with a lack of perimeter skills. He got a lot better as a ball handler over the years. I watched, like, a couple of their games from – or over the year, I watched a couple of Pittsburgh games – uh, from earlier in the year and even from when he was at stony brook like he was pretty much like a five-man like rim protector yeah, you kind of have to be in that league like, yeah it's like a prerequisite or six eight you're playing the five right yeah he, he was yeah. bigger than pretty much anybody that he yeah. played again and especially was like longer more athletic like had way more shot blocking instincts than a lot of the players he averaged 3.1 blocks per game when he won america east dpoy uh his last year with stony brook but i don't think well, that, i would like that, say he's that was that stony brook class where they lost like three guys to like high major transfers three or four right yeah it's like their starting lineup yeah. yeah it was like him uh juan felix rodriguez I, th- I think was the other one but yeah he i think he was that those teams were were pretty good but i don't think i would say he's like a draftable player uh or even like a two-way player but i definitely would be interested to see if he gets like a summer league shot uh, at some point, because there, there some, are some, some interesting... of the best because you see a, a bunch of names. It's like, man, where'd that guy come from? Yeah. Like, I don't know if you saw uh, the big three announced their like player pool for this season. It's like, oh, my gosh, I forgot he was a basketball player. Jeff Adrian, uh, yeah. oh, former Jeff Bobcat Adrian, legend. That's right. Bobcats, Brewster Bobcats. Uh, yeah, I, I love Jeff Adrian. But like those are the exact type names. You don't even know those guys are still playing and here they are still still chasing it with Ice Cube. Three and three. Yeah. Yeah, Chase, but, have you got any more? Or are you out of your prospects there? No, I mean those are the the two like absolute okay. wild cards. Uh, I mean the only guy that I think I'm like way higher on, or guys that I'm way higher on than any other other player or any other players or people are out there are Hunjing Lee and Blake Wesley. I have Hunjing at thirty and Blake Wesley at fourteen, but I don't Blake Wesley. Blake Wesley's good, man. Like there, there's yeah. people that like him. In, in yeah, I really place, really man. like him. I think I have him. Got my big board behind me. I have Blake Wesley at sixteen uh yeah. Jun lee i had him like early second and then as the season went on i just thought he was very stiff he was very upright he has like yeah. no bend so he can really shoot it but getting to that shooting motion like with fluidity he had a hard time with and then the a10 tournament and sort of like last month of the year he wasn't the same player so i, I have him late kind of like as a as a second rounder undrafted guy he, he took a a fall but hey every nba team needs shooting no matter what so I could see him finding a, a place in a home too. I, I feel like Hung Jun Lee and stiff are two words used together. Like maybe the only thing maybe more is like Usman Jeng and physicality. Like <laughs> might be the only thing yeah. out there. Um, <laughs> he is, man. It's just like upright. It's like there's no, uh, yeah. it's like one of those old video games, like just like this. There's no like the, the middle of it that can move. Yeah. yeah but just, talented just the skills. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, no, um, I, I, that's that was like my biggest concern with him too. But I thought last year uh, at Davidson, he was like way better at just like pump faking, getting out of a closeout, and especially doing... early. Yeah, yeah, I thought I, I was, it was kind of weird. But how it, he got, it was that like, it was that second time around the A10 when teams played him and said, okay, we're gonna trap him or, or push him backwards and, and don't let him catch, see what he does, and he struggled more then. Yeah. Well, in a British fashion, a very English fashion, I'm going to call it a draw, a one-all draw for Chase's wildcard prospects. That's um, fine. We'll take, a, we'll take a draw. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. That's everything we want to touch on. Um, 
Matt Penny, thank you so much for coming on. That was so much fun. I think we both learned a lot. I'm sure the listeners have learned a lot. Um, and I know me and Chase have been listening to you and Sam for a long time, so we'll continue to over this draft cycle. We'll continue to enjoy it. And um, yeah, best of luck over the next month. I'm sure it's going to ramp up for you. And uh, yeah, love your stuff. Keep, keep pumping out the content. Thanks, man. I've been rooting for you guys. I, I got to root for Oklahoma City. They're like my adopted lottery team. Celtics don't have a pick, so the Hornets would be my, my second one. Just don't beat up on us when we actually play. We'll, we'll call it even. All right. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. You got it. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. Have a good one.